Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today, we got a Q&A. I got a couple quick announcements and things to share before we jump into things. First and foremost, a uh, couple people that this uh, people, companies, things, uh, missions, movements, whatever you want to call it, that this podcast is brought to you by. The first one is obviously Tailored Life Apparel, which is our new apparel company that we launched recently. Myself and my mentor, big brother, good friend, Andreas Villalba. I might have pronounced it right that time. I've known him for over a decade and I still can't. I can't roll my L's. Yeah, it's hard. It is very hard, but it sounds really cool when he does it. Anyway, TLA, if you want to check that out, tailoredlifeapparel.co. Uh, we got shirts, shorts, crewnecks, socks, um, all of which I am really hyped about, especially because my wardrobe now, and especially I, because I'm going through s- samples. Yeah, like my whole wardrobe is just tailored totally. shit now, which I love. Um, <coughs> I'm actually uh, going to be placing the order for the next launch here soon, the next drop. So we're going to be pushing. We got some big things coming up that I'm excited about. Connections being made, movements happening, um, involvement of do- charity and stuff like that. So really, really excited. Um, at least. Go follow us on Instagram at Tailored Life Apparel and just be a part of the tribe. Be a part of what we are talking about, what we are doing, what we are trying to build with this movement. If you're uh, watching this on Spotify, you might get a little sneak peek looking at Cody. Yeah. So this actually, this <laughs> you can ignore the front. The front yeah. will not have this on the front. But the back, as I'm turning around to the camera, if you're not on Spotify, start watching on Spotify because it is so much cooler. But this, I don't know if you can make this logo any bigger. I mean, it's that's massive. sick. Very, very excited about these ones. So the front will be different. It's not going to say tailored across the front, uh, but it's going to have that big ass logo. And we are going to be getting the, have you seen the the clips that hang or the, that not hang? Um, they're called. They clip? They're called drawstring clips, but you can get a wheel lock uh, clip. So it's basically like, almost like an old school cowboy tie. You know, mm. the, it clips it together and it's like this metal, like yeah. super dope. So we're getting those. Um popped in they're going to be uh, obviously matching everything but i'm excited about that that's going to be another addition we got uh some print on the sleeve which this says live free it's not going to say live free mm. although you should live free <laughs> but that's not what it's going to say right there um again this is a sample i just get the one of the benefits of this is i get to wear cool shit as samples that we may or may not come out with but go check us out tailored life apparel on instagram tailoredlifeapparel.co um and we'll save some other sponsors for throughout the podcast cool but I do want to bring up something real quick. What's up? Well, I wrote, I wrote a newsletter about this that went out today. And I think it's just a really relevant topic because we are winding down the year. So I think it's important before we dive into these questions, just talk about, like, honestly, this is probably something that we talk about consistently in most of the podcasts as the year progresses on. Because dude, we're like, I think it was, what, 17? As of today, today's the 13th or the 14th? 14th. So 16 days away? No, 17, because it's uh, the 31st. Correct. Uh, but 17 away from 2023. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Came fast. This year went by so quick. It's actually kind of scary. But I was thinking about this because I, I always get people to ask me, usually they're entrepreneurs or other coaches and trainers, but in general, I think it's good for everybody. But I get the question of like, what do you do to prepare for the new year? Like, how do you review? Do you have like a journal practice? Um, and a lot of times I'm like, no, I don't. Honestly, like I sit down, I get, I, I always take time to create some space and just get quiet and just reflect. But I think how I do it is depending on where I'm at in my life at that point. Typically do it every quarter, but where I'm at December 31st, 
2022 is different than where I was at in 2021. So I might need to go about it a different way. But I do think it's important to reflect and kind of reset. And this is what I wrote about in the newsletter. And it actually spawned from uh, like a really cool dad moment. And I was actually pretty proud of myself um, because it's, I mean, we were talking about this the other day. Like sometimes. You'd be the hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. And you just want to be like, no. And just like yell in that deep voice. And like, you get mad, especially because like, I mean, she's four. So like, you got to understand some of the fits. Of course they don't make sense. Yep. And half the time when you ask them what they're crying about, they don't even know. And so they just start saying stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but I heard this commotion. Um, and, uh, and this was after the night. This is last night, so this is after. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, I actually wrote the newsletter last night after this happened, and it went out today as we're recording this. Um, but I, I walked out and I heard this like commotion, and like she was whining about a snack or whatever. And I kind of like gave Shan that look, like tag me in, like because she was getting ready to go take a shower. I was like, tag me in, I'm good. <laughs> she leaves, and uh, instead of getting pissed, I like crouched down to her level, looked right at her, and, and which I learned that from a book, Raising Good Humans, it's a really good book. Knelt down to her, and I said, "All right, here's what we're gonna do." We'll talk about a snack, but first you're going to do it. You're going to do something for me like you do at the gym. And she kind of like looked at me and I was like, you know, when you run sprints and you've seen her and she'll run down the turf, you yeah. know, touch the ground, turn around and run. I was like, you're going to walk. I run because I know Bubba will chase you. <laughs> you're going to walk down the hall, touch the wall by the bathroom. And you're going to walk back down the hallway with a smile. And that's what we're going to reset. And she kind of gave me that look like you're ridiculous. Come on, dad. Like get the fuck out of here. And I was like, All right. Ready? And she just looked at me and was like, you go. Go touch the wall. She like kind of was pouting, walked over there. I knew she wouldn't be like that, you know. But she goes to touch the wall. She walks back, and she still got tears in her eyes. She's frowning. But I had the biggest, goofiest, dumbest smile on my face ever. And I was like, well, hi. And, like, she walked in and starts – she couldn't help but laugh. And then she said it back, and then she was happy. And I was like, now that we're all happy, what do we want for a snack? Something healthy. And, like, I just went through the whole scenario. Still told her no to what she was trying to get. But it was, like, in a better environment. We reset. And then uh, later that night, she like got pissed. And this morning again, actually, she was pissed about something. And I literally was just like, before it escalated, I was just like, hey, we're going to reset. Go touch the wall. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And then she'll like go. She came back and she was like laughing and she was like proud to show mom. And I was like super stoked. I was like, I've never done anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's dope. I just conquered that moment. But after that, we all wind down. She went to bed. Shan's putting her down. I like sat down. I was thinking, I was like, dude, like we all need a reset before 2023 whether you crush the year or not it's it's time to walk your ass down the hall and come back with a smile and some positivity some grit some ambition some fucking discipline and come into the year kind of like what i talked about in that one episode where we were talking about what Low i heard power. yeah well in in what i uh, i heard that pastor say some along the lines of like how you go in or how you finish 2022 is how you'll start 2023 right so if you're pouting and you're pissed and you're not doing shit being lazy, trust me, it's going to be difficult to go into the new year and actually get something done and be, be accomplished and positive and motivated, which is why it's got to start now. You got to start shifting now. So you go into the new year that way. But if we can all take a moment to just like, honestly, just reset, forget about what happened, like the past of the past, what you failed, you failed. It's time for new beginnings. You know, a lot of people listen to this probably set new year's resolutions. Most of those people, I hate to say it, probably fell off or forgot about it by March 1st. Because statistics show barely anybody gets through February. Yeah. You know, if you make it past February, still abiding to your news resolutions, like you're killing it. It's very rare, which is a That's whole four weeks. I know. Wow. Well, eight 
January, February. I thought you said if you get past February. Yeah, so like oh, all the gotcha, way through February, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> January, February, March, so March 1st basically, right? But point being is like if you did that and then you waste the whole year, like reflect on that because you, you failed, you got, ah, fuck, and then you just didn't start up again. You didn't change the goal. You didn't course correct. Now that you're reflecting for 2023, it's about going, okay, well, why did I fail? Did I set the bar too high? Did I set it too low? Did I just not give a shit about the goal? Was I setting it for uh, the purpose of somebody else rather than my own purpose in life, right? And then make new goals and then make new course corrections. If I can't accomplish this, if I don't do this, how am I going to navigate? What am I going to do differently? How am I going to push through, right? Set those now so that you're excited about 2023 and then you walk into 2023 ready to put that smile on, yeah. that corny little walk down the hall, touch the wall, come back. Now you're ready to go in that positive manner. And it's just like this whole reset, right? So um, even as somebody like, and this is not to, to like impress people, but to just impress upon people, like I feel pretty good about 2022. I feel accomplished. There was things I wish I would have done differently, of course, but that's the whole point. Like I definitely didn't fail 2022. A lot of the things that we were targeting to do in the business and with my fitness and with my family, everything I've done, but I can still look back and go, how could I have done it better? What can I do more of this year? What can I do less of? How can I manage my time? hundred percent, hundred percent. Where was I wasting my time? Mm. Right. Where was I wasting my energy? Where could I be more efficient? How could I be more present? How can I have more energy? Like there's a million things that we can do better. Like you've reflected on this before. Uh, you know all the prompts. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just because I've coached so many people. Cause I don't and totally, if you ask me like, okay, we'll answer those. Like, how are you? I would be like, I don't know yet. Yeah. Cause I haven't sat down Give and me thought a, about yeah. that, you know, but I have, do. Yeah. I've coached enough people to know like, what questions do you need to ask yourself? Yeah. You know? And I think my whole point of sharing this is like, you know, 17 days is going to go by quick. Very. So it's time to start reflecting and resetting now yep. so that you can walk into the new year ready to go. Yeah. You know, um, shit. I know for me, like what Christmas is on a Sunday. So we got the 24th is a Saturday. 25th is a Sunday. And then I go out of town on Thursday. Very excited to take my daughter to Disneyland. She has no fucking idea. And we're going to tell her on Christmas, but that means from basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because those are the days after Christmas. And before I leave is like, okay, I'm back finish what I'm behind on, get my clients ready, get my team ready, prep everything that needs to be prepped for content, all that stuff in the three days span and then leave. And then I'm there until the first New Year's Day. So I'm not going to have time to like sit back and reflect. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people are the same way. A lot of people travel, a lot of people have family, a lot of people are busy for the holidays. Now is the time to reflect. Totally. But, um, start early. Yeah. So I just want to share that story. Cause I think, uh, that's great, man. The reset thing is just powerful. Yeah. You know, um, it's the only way to like, I mean, clean slate. Start over. Yeah. You know? Just kind of refresh your mind. Yeah. hundred percent. Love it. All right. Let's get into the questions for today. We have multiple that we need to get answered. So here's the first one from Samantha B. It says, how do you handle the client who comes to you who has been yo-yo dieting for years? They report eating very low calories yet still have weight to lose. Wouldn't wouldn't you still want to reverse them and spend time on the maintenance before att- attempting fat loss or do you attempt fat loss and just focus more on adherence and consistency? Yeah. Um, so there's like, a, there's a lot more research coming out right now. Um, Eric Trexler has been putting out a ton of good content cause he's like one of the main researchers behind metabolic adaptation. 
So I definitely advise like coaches to go read up on some of his recent stuff. And it's not exactly the way we had thought about it in the past. I still would do some of that because I think it's important, but not necessarily for the same reasons as before. I think previously we would have believed, and a lot of people still do believe because they're not up to date on a lot of the research, that you would want to bring a client up to maintenance in order to like essentially speed up their metabolism so then you can dive into a diet. However, the metabolism is so dynamic, it doesn't really work like that. Even if you te- if you do bring up their metabolism, it's due to the calorie increase. So as soon as you drop the calories down, it's probably going to decrease along with the calorie decrease. So it kind of ends up being this idea that like essentially we almost have like this range that our body likes to sit at from a weight perspective and a metabolic perspective. And we're probably going to float in that range no matter what. And it's up to us to I guess, uh, really just adhere to the diet in and outside of that, right? And the periodized diet in and outside of that properly because you can't really move that range higher. Now, like let's say my range is just for easy math, 25 to 3,000, 2,500 on the low end, 3,000 on the high end. Um, If I want to get myself closer to that high end, I'm going to have to gain weight, whether it's muscle or fat, like I have to gain weight, I have to eat more food and I have to move more, right? But not all of those are necessarily sustainable, right? And so if we bring all those up, well, as soon as I drop calories, I'm like, those things are also going to, like my weight's going to drop. Therefore, that range is going to drop. I'm probably not going to move as much unless I really am going to take this about my step count. But even then, blinking, fidgeting, talking, all the, all the stuff we don't, can't track. It's unrealistic. All that stuff's going to lower slightly. So we're still playing in this range. We can't really bring it higher. So I think that the idea of, uh, that people get wrong with is the idea of reverse dieting in order to increase your maintenance intake. Your maintenance intake can increase, but it's going to be a very slow process over the long haul from what I understand and what I have seen. Because even if we add a good amount of muscle tissue, muscle tissue is going to increase your, your maintenance calories. So you have more muscle mass, you need more calories in order to preserve that muscle on your body. But the calories required to maintain muscle tissue really isn't that high. And we know that muscle growth is really slow. So it's not like you're gonna see anything noticeable during like a a short phase of time bringing a client up to maintenance calories, right? Um, So it's really hard to say. It it is really, really hard to say. But would I still reverse diet a client who's been yo-yoing for years and blah, blah, blah? I would for a couple reasons. But the main reason is not what people really think it is. Because I believe if somebody was yo-yo dieting and they still have weight to lose then that tells me that the majority of their year was not spent in a deficit or else they wouldn't be at that weight. It's very, very unlikely, right? It's not necessarily because their metabolism is slowed down. And even in the situations where we see these great, these people go through these aggressive diets and we see metabolic adaptation occur and stick around for a long time, usually the weight loss stays off as well. The reason there is a lot of metabolic adaptation staying around long-term is because they lost a lot of weight. And when you have less weight in your body, you need less calories to sustain your body mass. So if you successfully sustain your weight loss over time, then obviously metabolic adaptation doesn't go anywhere. It sticks around because your metabolism adapted to its new norm, which is lower, but lower is good because that's also lower body weight. So I would be reverse dieting somebody um, for a few reasons. Number one, I would reverse diet them to try to get them to the top of that range, depending on the person. So if somebody comes to me and they are yo-yo dieting or they're on and off, or let's say they're underfueled, we all know a lot of people who, and I think this is more likely when somebody has five to 10 pounds to lose and they're barely eating anything and they're not losing it. 
that person, I'm like, hey, I, I do think that we're going to be able to bring your calories up a bit. Try to kind of maximize yourself in that maintenance range. I'm not going to like build your metabolism to be a bigger engine necessarily, but I am going to bring it up to the top point of that range. I want to fuel training. I want to have a higher step count. I want to have better sleep. I want to manage stress. I want to do all the things for health markers that will improve your recovery, improve your performance, improve your output throughout the day, and improve your physiological state of being. I truly believe that that will lead to more calories burned per day and more calories burned per training session through recovery, through sleep, through everything, right? We're just optimizing you. And sometimes it does require a little bit more calories in order to get you to that place. For some people, they're skinny fat and the five pounds they need to lose, they probably don't even need to lose. They just need to build muscle. So if we reverse diet them, it's for the intentions of uh, lean gaining. So building lean muscle mass without, I mean, there's no lean muscle mass, just building muscle mass while staying lean relatively lean, not adding fat. So not bulking. And when we do that, we end up looking leaner, mm-hmm. but you're not really like building your metabolism to burn more fat. You're just building muscle and you look better because of it. So there's that person I want to reverse diet too. And, but again, those are usually in the cases where they only have a little bit of weight to lose quote unquote, a little bit of fat to lose. Um, the other person is typically the person that says they're dieting, but they're not adhering. So I'm going to bring them to maintenance for one of two reasons. And this is very common. We get somebody who has 20, 30 pounds to lose and they cannot lose it no matter what they do. They are either A, super on point during the week and really off point on the weekends, or they're really on point for three or four weeks and then they fall off for three or four weeks and then they get back on for three or four weeks. So they do lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, but they stay within this like five to 10 pound range. Um, both of those people could use this maintenance phase first because the maintenance phase is going to allow me to learn more about them as the coach to the client. It's also going to allow me to get better adherence across the board. So if they are an individual who is falling off because of XYZ, okay, cool. Let's spend time at maintenance so we can conquer XYZ. Because if we put you in a diet, you're in a deficit and we're trying to improve your habits, remove these inconsistencies, fix the issues you have with adhering to the diet and compliance and understanding the education behind all that shit, it's going to be more difficult because you're in a deficit too. So let's keep you at maintenance. Let's fix all the problems, get you healthy, like teach you everything we need to know get your trust and adherence up, then we'll go into a deficit. So I'll bring somebody to maintenance at the beginning just from that purpose, not because I think something magical is going to happen in their metabolism, but just because it's easier to improve your habits and teach you how to do this the right way if you are at maintenance versus in a big deficit to lose fat. It's not as stressful. Totally. Um, And then the person who is on the weekends, like that person might be eating, let's say 1,200 calories and they're not losing weight, but they're eating 2,800 calories on the weekend. So net weekly average intake is not even remotely close to 1,200. Let's say it's like 2,000 or whatever it is. That's why they're not losing weight. So instead of going 1,200 and letting them go off on the weekends, I'm going to just bring them to 1,800, right? A very small deficit from what their maintenance might be. And I'm going to put that money through Friday. They feel like they're eating too much food. They don't feel like they're dieting because they're not used to this. It feels not only better energy, all that stuff, but they literally don't think it's going to work necessarily. But then we conquer the weekends. We go, hey, I want you to stick to these 1,800 calories on the weekends. I'm going to teach you how to be flexible and fit in the things you want to fit in. And then three, four weeks go by without any ups and downs over the weekend. And guess what? They lose weight because their net caloric average on the week-to-week basis is down. So Really what we're doing here is we're bringing people to maintenance. We're reverse diet them on the front end to just try to rework the way they diet, teach them a little bit more, build their habits, build their consistency, build a relationship between coach to client, and then improve all those things before going into a diet. Yeah. But no like metabolic magic is going to happen here. Yeah. What about like if they're in a deficit for five days a week and then you say they go way over on the weekend and then you're trying to teach them to like be flexible on the weekend and they can't, not they can't, but they don't like 
adhere to the 1800, but it's like not as much as just going way over. Yeah. Yeah. Still going to see positive results. Totally. Most of the time in those cases, because that happens all the time. Um, it's a really good example, actually. Like, let's say they go to 2200, 2300, and they're like, one, I always frame it in the beginning to like make sure they give themselves some grace because first response is like, fuck, I failed again. Mm -hmm. But teaching them before that happens, like, hey, if you don't hit it, you don't hit it. But it's going to be more controlled. We still have a control. And just remember, like, is one Oreo or six Oreos worse for your diet? Six. Okay. So if you go a little bit over, that's better than saying, ah, oh, fuck it. I already went over. Let's just go all out. You know? And that's really the conversation we have with people. So then what happens is, yeah, their weight spikes up a little bit after the weekend. But by Tuesday, it's back down. Whereas before, it's not back down until Thursday. Yeah. And then Friday, they feel good. Saturday, they're back out to the bars. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, let's start all over again. So 100%. And, and sometimes it's, it's programming. Like, okay, we're not going to do 1,800. We're going to do 1,600. But we're going to go 2,200 on the weekends. So we go a little bit lower in the week, a little bit higher, but there's still boundaries. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to have boundaries or else it's not going to work. You know, I mean. It, I think that's why it's so hard to do it yourself. Bingo. Yeah. Boundaries. Especially, yeah. And especially like on the weekend, you know, and part of that too is like a few things like one, you go out with your friends, you got to like, there's a bunch of people who don't really understand or you don't have the courage to tell them what you're doing. So you assume they don't understand. Totally. Nine times out of 10, you tell the person like, yeah, I'm just really following a diet. So I'm going to uh, like order this Michelob Ultra instead of the beer I actually like. And sorry if anybody likes Michelob Ultra, I think it tastes like water, but like, <laughs> and your friend, instead of going, Come on, man. Have this porter with me. They're yeah. like, dude, good for you. Yeah. I don't give a shit what you drink. Yeah. <laughs> just drink with me. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. So like a lot of times it's just in your head. Totally. Um, but when you have a coach, they one, they can remind you of that. Two, the coach is somebody who is doing the exact same thing you're doing. They've been there. They've done that. They've had those conversations. They've had those false thoughts and negative things going on in their head. So they can resonate, yeah. which the people at the table that you're going to sit with do not resonate. So it, it's really important to have that for that, that resonation and that just understanding, but then also the accountability. Like, hey, what is our plan for this weekend? Cool, I'm going to hold you to that. Um, we'll be talking on Sunday. Like, I'm going to shoot you an email. Like, let's make sure that you stick to that, you know? And then you're excited to report back to that person when you get done, Yep. you know? Something um, you did. Yeah. <laughs> and it, dude, it, there's, something, there's just something weird about accountability too where like at the end of the day, even myself, like I've been doing this so long, but like I hired the powerlifting coach and like instantly I'm more motivated to train and lift heavy and do mobility for my knee before I squat heavy, all this stuff that I never do, that I never push, program hop, all those things that we all get like uh, those who train a lot, they, they fall victim of. It's just 10 times easier. Yeah. You know, even the diet, like I've had no reason to want to get leaner or do anything like that. And then I was like, oh, well, shit, I'm going to be in a lower weight class. Strap that fucking weight vest on. We're going on walks again. I don't care how cold it is. Yep. Bought a face mask for myself. <laughs> you probably saw in the story. Yeah. I'm like, I'm got to bundle up. It's the only time I got to walk. So get my steps back up, follow my diet a little bit more accurately. I'm already dropping a little bit, you know, and I don't need to lose a lot of weight, but I need to be down a little bit and yeah. I'd rather train in that range. But again, it's like the second I was like, pay, <laughs> like I literally am more motivated Yeah, because I have a reason behind it and I have somebody holding me accountable. I respect that person. Totally. You know, so. Yeah. It's kind of like yesterday, you doing that uh, rubber band workout. Yeah. You're like, I'm just going to, I'll do this next week. And you're like, no, fuck, I'll at least do a little bit. Yeah. I like, like walked be off. Better than not doing it. Yeah. I walked off. I was like, I don't got time for this. Yeah. God damn it. I yeah. turn right around. You come back. I'm like fixing it, trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. We got to figure that thing out. Yeah. But Usually I'm not in a rush to get through my training, but, but that's another thing too, man. Like a lot of times I will training at three 
and I won't get over here till like 3.45. Yeah. Because I'm like, ah, one more email. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to finish this content. Uh, I got to do a little more work. This can't wait. And then I'm like, all right, jump in the workout. Let's go. Like, we're, rush through it, you know, because I'm always home at 5. But with this, I'm like, 3 o'clock, exit, let's go. Yeah. And I'm like ready to do it typically every Usually. day now because yesterday was like the first day in over a week. For sure. I was like, I'm on this. Totally. Um, but, yeah, so... Cool. All right, let's move on. We got uh, next question. It comes from Chris Road. It's a very heavy question. It says, how do I start? It's deep. Depends on how you want to take this. How do you start what? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but I'm going to assume it's either fitness journey or business. Yeah. You know? Like you said, this, I feel like the, you, you, you said this before the podcast started and we kind of laughed, but then like the more I thought about it, I was like, it's got to be one of those two. If he's asking you. Yeah. yeah. What else? Would I don't I, start skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, but what I was going to say too is like everything is the same. Yeah. Like you just get started. So I think somebody asked me one time, like, what is the, what's the key to consistency, right? The key to consistency is getting consistent and it's an oxymoron. But if you really think about it, how do you make that domino way over on the other end of the room fall. You set up a line of dominoes and you flick the first domino and it will fall, right? It's a momentum thing. Momentum comes from taking action right now. And after taking action three, four, five times, now you got some consistency. Consistency is like a snowball. Snowballs get bigger as you roll them. Plain and simple, right? And so it's easier to stack up the snowman with a bigger base, your base of consistency is going to be 10 times better if you just start fucking rolling the snowball. Yep. And it's really cool. like, how, how do you start a snowman? You just take a little tiny piece of snow and you make a little ball and then you just start rolling it. Right. And it becomes this big ass thing. Yeah. So consistency develops from consistency, but it all boils back down to action. So whatever it is you want to get started with, you just got to get fucking started. Like pick the easiest task and just do that. That'll give you some momentum. Totally. I can just see you teaching Blakely about consistency when you're making a snowman. So listen, well, as we roll this, this is yeah. going to get bigger. She's getting super impatient. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. I do. I, I, I literally try to like, I didn't with the snowman. Making um, analogies. Yeah. We did make a snowman. Well, Shannon made it. I just yeah. walked out, put a tailored cap on it. <laughs> like, Let's take a picture. But um, I do try to teach her those things because, and sometimes. Like lessons and within something. Yeah. Sometimes she literally just rolls her eyes and she was like says something completely random yeah. she wants to do. And I'm like, you're not even fucking listening. Yeah. And then sometimes she like really gets it. She's like, oh, shit, okay. Um, but but no, I think like in general, no matter what you're after, if it is if it is fitness, if it's like, it, I want to lose weight. Okay, Google search how to lose weight. Like you're going to get a lot of random shit, but see what sticks, see what like resonates with you. You know, if your mind kind of goes towards the diet stuff, maybe the diet path is easier for you. Start with the diet path. Okay, what is the best diet for? Enter your info. See what pulls up from there. Like, learn about something. Follow some people on Instagram. Like, watch a YouTube video. Like, anything. And you just start doing. Doing something. Something. I think a lot of people, they want that instant gratification too too much. Whereas, like, you, you really just need to figure out the easiest first step and then let that step fuel the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. If you just focus on the current step you're on... Six months is going to go by and you're going to be 20 pounds down before you know it, yeah. you know, and it's, it's probably more like it, it just, that's just how it works. But it starts with just jumping in and taking action, even like starting a business. How do you get started? Go buy the LLC, buy the title of that business. Now it's official. Do something with it. Get a bank account. Okay, cool. What are you selling? Figure out the product, figure out the service, like anything you can do. 
right? A lot of people just have this. I mean, I've helped a lot of people on the business front too. And there's a lot of times where like some of the stuff's just obvious. They just need somebody to just go, just fucking do it and yeah. push them a little bit. Totally. I've been there. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. It better be done. And then you talk to them. They did. And it's like, cool. Like I didn't do shit. You did that. Yep. You know, and that's the power of accountability. Yeah. But at the same time, like you, you don't always need that accountability to just get started. So whatever it is that you're after, just get started. God, I think that instant, instant gratification is so unhealthy. It is. It's so crazy. It's, it's like overwhelming. There was a study on children. It's actually wild how they did this, but um, you might have heard of it because it kind of became like a funny thing. Um, so so parents would start filming stuff. We've done this with Blakely. It's fucking hilarious. So you like set up your yeah. phone and then you go, there's one cookie and you go, yeah. okay, just wait for me. If you wait, I'll give you two cookies. You get another cookie. You yeah. just got to wait. She was Don't touch that. Yeah. And then you can see them like looking. They're like thinking about it and they want to touch it. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. But they actually did a study like that. They had these kids in a room and they gave them, it's basically like, I, I, it was either marshmallows or cookies, but basically they had one, right? And they were like, hey, like, you just need to wait five minutes. So if you wait, you'll get another one. But if you don't, you're not going to get another one. Yeah. Right? And uh, I don't think there was any other consequence. It was just like, you just don't. So they were trying to test for delayed gratification versus instant gratification. So they went through the test. Some kids... Obviously, just grabbed the fucking cookie or yeah. marshmallow and ate it. And some kids waited. What's the point of waiting? <laughs> but they did a follow-up study where they actually came back to these kids like 20, 30 years later. Like, they came back to them in their adult life. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And they wanted to see their success levels. I don't know how they ranked success, if it was financial, if it was like family status or what. But those, the kids who had a, a more of a sense of grat, uh, delayed gratification were significantly more likely to be successful in life as a whole job career everything yeah. like and you get anybody listen you can google this you can look this up it's a I'm legit study down. it is a legit study but it's not surprising you know because if you think about it, it's like okay well the now the surprising part is like man is it really that ingrained in you as like a, a trait because i was an impatient fucking kid so i gotta imagine i would have failed that test and i feel pretty good about where i'm at today you know but maybe i wouldn't have yeah. if i knew that like if they gave me the option of like waiting and i get two then maybe i would have waited back then maybe yeah I don't things know. have changed yeah. That's what I that's what I was thinking about. Like when they came back to them in their adult life, there's so many things like other factors that could change their success. Like just and I get it, like in general, the delayed gratification, but like for I mean for you, I guess good example, but other things happen in life between four years old 100%. and that that may not make you that way. Yeah. However, I gotta imagine that they controlled for some kind of variables. So the kids in the study couldn't have been like a trust fund baby. Because if you were like instant gratification and you already had a plot of money you were sitting on anyway, it's like, okay, well, yeah. how, you know what I mean? How is that accurate? So there's got to be some control variables. Dude. The thing that I would say that is probably the most significant thing is, is like, okay, the kids who did have better sense of delayed gratification, how many times in their early years did they have to be tested for that delayed gratification? School projects and tests, sports. Every day, go to practice, show up early, do the extra work. You do that, you will get a trophy. You don't, you lose. <laughs> Losers don't get trophies. Yeah. No matter what they say. <laughs> that's not how it works <laughs> in life. <laughs> we teach Blakely that. <laughs> but, and that's another thing, like, I was super, she, she shows some of this. Sometimes she does not have delayed gratification. But even she, uh, not good at soccer. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> she was not about it. She didn't get a medal. One kid on each team gets a medal for, like, participation or effort or whatever it may be she didn't get the medal and she was like i didn't get a medal 
But if I try hard, I'll get it next time. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was so proud. I was like, that's right. We don't always get medals. I didn't always get a medal. <laughs> but anyway, how many times in the kid's life did they have to go through little tests like that? You yeah. know, like act now or be patient and work hard, wait, and then I'll be rewarded because I understand that developmental process and the hard work and effort and all those things. To me, it's like, there's probably some of those kids that did have the instant gratification that had, were tested over and over again. And then finally it clicked and they got it and they were probably really successful too. I don't think this is a end all be all like, well, if you took the first cookie, you're fucked. (laughs) You're not going to be successful. But I think it does show that the kids who did have that better sense of delayed gratification probably did that same thing with many situations in their life over and over and over again. And as they got older, it became easier to do. And then when it mattered most, when they were an adult, it was a no brainer. Yeah. You know, when it comes to working up in the company or starting their own business or whatever it may be, they already had that ingrained in them from years of doing it. Yeah. You know, I got, I got some things I can relate to that. It's like, and this is all positive, but I'm just saying there's it, it's really relatable with working for a small company, Mm -hmm. big companies. Like, you, you do this, you get this. You, there's so many vivid check marks. Like yeah. you, you accomplish this, you get paid this. You do this, you move up. You do this, and eventually, it, you just, you just check those boxes yeah. and you move up. Here you're like, you do this, we'll wait a year, and it might happen. Yeah, I was like, fuck no, yeah. but it's true. Like, I think uh, smaller businesses or corporations or whatever you want to call it, uh, it requires way more faith. And belief yeah, in the process yeah, yeah. because again, patience, yeah. yeah, well, and again, even, but, but at the same time, even if that other company, it was the same timeline. Yeah. But I'm like, it'll happen if we kill it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and you're, I think, yeah. And you're like, damn. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know? And, and it's like, well, what's the reward? What's the check mark? I don't know yet. Yeah. It'll be good. We'll find out then. <laughs> it'll be dope. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the other company, like you said, there's a clear cut check marks, check this box, do this thing. You get this cookie boom you know totally. so there's no faith there that's all logic yeah you know faith here is like i believe in the company i believe in the mission i'm gonna go that way agreed which is also why i think as an entrepreneur in so my situation rewarding. it is but I, I think it's also uh i don't know what it, the feeling i'm trying to describe fulfilling obviously but like you i i it's uh there's just so much more trust and unity inside of this kind of thing because I have to, I can, I really can only rely on people who have just as much faith and belief in this as I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's no like, like there is now cause we have systems, but not like at one sport, like when we started, there wasn't, yeah. but in companies, there's just such a specific clear rubric of how to get from point A to point B. You want to work here for 10 years? I'll show you exactly what that looks like if you show up every day. Totally. <laughs> you know, don't even do your job. Whereas here it's like, it's going to be like, Roller coaster. yeah. And depending on how good you do, it'll change the trajectory, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, it's, but as, as, the, as the, as August le- and September. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as the leader for me, it's like, when I tell that to somebody and they say yes, and I can see the conviction in their eyes, I instantly know like that's, that's like family because they have to trust me and I have to trust them and they have to believe in this just like I believe in it. And it's like, you don't have to do that at a big ass company. Yeah. You, you shouldn't even have there. to ask them. You should know f- from what they say to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if they're sold already, you shouldn't be like, hey, are you sold? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I th- and I think that's like... That's why all of our employees come from previous clients or yeah. people that you work with for so long. You're like, hey, I think you should, you, should, you yeah. want to work with... 100%. They're all about it already. Yeah. And a lot of times they, like, poke and poke and poke and poke until they can, can work for us. Yeah. 
which I love. I trust. I trust. I trust. Yeah. I believe. I believe. Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a few people on the team that were like, I said no to, or like it wasn't the right time. They kept trying or whatever. Yeah. You know, Ashley fucking f- skipped something really important that I won't say. Um, <laughs> has nothing to do with family or anything like that, but like prior job stuff and like <laughs> showed up in Austin to see me speak cause, just because she wanted to shake my hand. Yeah. She so, showed up to a business event that was about starting your own business. She's like, I don't even want to start my own business. I just wanted to like come here, shake your hand, yeah. meet. It's like that's supposed to be hotel room. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Super dope, though. Yeah, that's right? so cool. Uh, but yeah, and that's not an open invitation to just blow up my email and hire you. I'm not saying that because uh, we're not hiring right now. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw that out there. But eventually, I'll go for it. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? Yeah. All right. Cool. We got the next question coming from Keel Vod. It says, how do, or how to cope with unsupportive family? They see macros as being obsessive. That's probably a good question throughout the Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays. And I just want to say real quick too, like, you know, you're a podcaster. If the longest answer is the shortest is from the shortest, most ridiculous question, how to start. And we go on and on and on. Um, How to, so how to deal with unsupportive family members. Um, it's that's a tough question because I think it depends on the situation like and it depends on what family member we're talking about um the closer that family member so I I guess you could you could kind of rank this on like a a sliding scale of how much you give a shit about that person Mm -hmm. and how much you care like is that are we talking about your brother who you're super close with or your mom or your dad or are we talking about like your uncle-in-law or your second cousin or whoever, you know, that you barely ever see. Obviously, you could care less at that point. Um, I think it also depends on the severity, and this would be a sliding scale too, depends on the severity at which you are participating in tracking macros, dieting, stuff like that. So, for example, I don't have the client roster my coaches have, but I got to imagine it's not just me. I was going to say, I don't think I've said this to a single client, but I, I would imagine that I don't think my coaches have either to track macros on Christmas. I think it's safe to say that we're all like, yeah, fucking enjoy yourself. Have fun. Yeah. Like, don't eat to the point of being sick. Not because, like, oh, my God, we're going to ruin the last six months of progress. It's one fucking day. But more or less because you're just going to feel like shit. And the next day you're going to be lethargic. You're going to regret it. Like, just enjoy. Don't, like, engulf, <laughs> you know, like. We all have to learn that lesson, so maybe this is your year to learn it, and after this, you'll be better next year, you know? But point being is, like, I think that if you're, like, my family is unsupportive of me tracking macros, I think it's obsessive. Meanwhile, you're at Christmas dinner, literally weighing the food grandma cooked and trying to measure your eggnog in a, in a fucking cup before pouring it in your cup, and that is kind of obsessive. And you probably, kind of it is, you you probably shouldn't do that. Like, so the point of flexible dieting is not just from a standpoint of like, oh, like eggnog's not a healthy diet food, but I can still have it in my macros. It's also from a standpoint of every once in a while, don't fucking track your macros and just have fun, you know, or be intuitive or just eyeball something every once in a while when you need to. Using macros as a tool is, it's a more effective way of losing fat, but it's also something that is like tangibly right in front of you as a way to show you how to estimate and be intuitive in certain scenarios, right? So even if you're somebody who does want to track the vast majority of time, it should still allow you to learn the skills needed to be intuitive on those other times. So 
if you're not abiding by that principle, in my mind, you might actually need to check yourself, you know? Um, there's also situations where I've talked to people where they say this and, and they're way too thin. It's like, hey, you've accomplished the goal a long time ago. You actually need to gain a little weight now. You need to eat more food. You need to feel your body. You're in an unhealthy place. So if you're in one of those scenarios, there might be truth to this, you know? Um, now, if you're somebody, you're like, I just started my fitness journey. I have 20, 30 pounds to lose and my family doesn't support me. And if they give me shit about it, blah, blah, blah then fuck them for lack of better terms. Like that's, that's on them. That's not cool. Usually it's, it's because they're not doing the work. Um, and I shouldn't even say that because there's, there's typically two reasons why people give you shit. One is because they're not willing to do the work. So they actually want to lose weight too. They want to get healthy, but they consistently fail to actually put in the work to do it. And so when you do it, they feel worse about themselves. They feel insecure. And so they, basically deflect that insecurity by giving you shit for doing it, right? That's very, very common. Um, but there's also times where people, uh, whether they realize it or not, they care about you enough to the point where they don't want to see you fail. So if you're somebody who, for example, um, and it's understandable, but at the end of the day, they also have to let go because they need to let you try because sometimes you fall down and you got to get back up. But if you're somebody who has tried diet after diet after diet and you just keep failing and it really gets you down and it's been like this big deal and it's, it's something that really like fucks with you and your family sees that and then you're starting another diet again. A lot of times there's times where people care so much that they're like, don't do this. We don't want to see you fail again. We don't want to see you get let down. We don't want to see you get hurt. And it's like genuine care. Granted, most people who successfully diet and keep it off, they have to try a bunch of shit first. Not everybody realizes that. So you might be that person, but this might finally be the time that actually you do it right because maybe you're not reading a diet out of a book or a magazine, you actually hired a coach or something like that, right? Like, but point being is I, I do think there are situations where that happens. Now, no matter what, you just have to have a hard, uncomfortable conversation with your family. It's either, hey, I, I think and I hope that you're doing this out of care for me and you don't want to see me fail. But if I have to fail 10 more times before I'm successful once, then that's just what I have to do and you have to let me do it, you know? And you have to be prepared for that. And that'll probably honestly make you do even better, but you got to have that conversation. You know, what's the, like, the Michael Jordan quote? He's like, missed however many free throws. Yeah. Right? Because you have to shoot your shot. And you're going to miss a bunch, but eventually you'll make them. Then, the other one's the whole, like, what you eat doesn't make me shit kind of thing. And it's like, hey, like, look, whatever you want to do, do it. I don't care if you lose weight. I don't care if you get healthy. I don't care what you eat. You don't need to worry about what I do. I'm doing this for myself. And if you truly care about me, you'll back the fuck off. And usually, like, you don't have to say it like that. That's just how I talk. But usually the person will respect that and they'll be like, you know what? My bad. You're right. I even remember doing that when I was, I mean, when I started my fitness journey, I was young. So I'm like 18, 19, 20 years old in my earliest phase of getting really into this. And as you can imagine, anytime you go to a party, anytime you go out for drinks, anything like that, of course your friends give you shit. Um, especially if we're all going out for a beer and everybody gets a burger and I get a salad because I'm going to have a couple beers. Like, they're going to give me shit. And, like, I just remember having to be like, yo, like, I grew up the chubby one in the group, so I'm making a change for myself. I don't give a shit what you guys do, but back the fuck off. Yeah. And them just being like, cool, I respect that. Yeah. Good for you, dude. And then it was just done. But, like, until I said that, they were going to keep messing with me because that's what friends do. <clears throat> so uh, family members can obviously be different at times. They're not, like, your boys. It's different. But nonetheless, like, you got to have that uncomfortable conversation to tell people to just back off a bit or just, hey, just respect my goals. This is what I'm doing. You know, that's it. There's, if it's a spouse, I think it's a different situation because that can get kind of murky, you know? Um, 
that can tear people apart. I mean, you see them every day. Yeah. And yeah. if if one person completely changes their lifestyle, gets super into it, and loses a bunch of weight and the other one doesn't, that can apply a lot of pressure to that other yeah. person, you know? And then they feel like they have to do it and they don't want to, and then they resent this person. And then this person feels like you don't respect my goals, so you're resenting me over something I'm doing for myself, which means you don't care about me and what I want, and then it's like this whole weird dynamic, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I'm not a therapist get messy so. <laughs> i don't know how to handle that one so yeah i mean uncomfortable conversation that's really the only way to go totally all right we will move on to the next one we got one coming from an anonymous it says is there any evidence about getting l less nutrients when you eat the same foods um it would I, I would understand that. So yes and no. So like it depends on what those foods are. So there's uh, there's only one study I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I know there's more to this because they've done a lot of research on these t this type of topic. But there's one study that comes to mind and it is basically they take a flexible diet and they take a like rigid diet. So like a meal plan. So they give group A a meal plan, group B a flexible diet. Now the flexible diet showed at the end of the results, it showed actually a better micronutrient efficiency. So they had less deficiencies. They had more micronutrient intakes. Um, but it's not the typical flexible diet people think of. People think of like, oh, so they like had junk food in there and stuff. Now, it's just that they were flexible with their choices. So it's like, hey, you need to have two to three servings of fruit per day within your macros. Choose whatever fucking fruit you want. You know, and that means day to day it can change. Whereas the meal plan group, if their fruits were an apple and blueberries and they had to eat that every day. So they're limited to those choices. So in one sense, eating the same foods can be a negative in this scenario, right? Because if you eat the same meal plan every single day and you're not getting in certain things, then that can be a problem. However, uh, because I've helped people make uh, meal plans before, you can incorporate flexibility in this where it's like every week we switch the rotation of fruit or we have some flexibility in there per week or we just cover our bases on the front end. So maybe it's like bridge a meal plan just said blueberries, but we're saying, hey, we're going to get uh, the blueberry because it's the most nutrient-dense, antioxidant-rich berry. Then we're going to get a banana because it's a melon, and we have categories, right? And then we can split that up. And then we go, okay, we're going to get spinach in this meal because it's one of the more nutrient-dense greens. We're also going to get broccoli or asparagus because it's cruciferous and we're like purposely choosing categories of fruits vegetables produce those kind of things um, in order to avoid that so when we do this and we have these categories now we're looking at food outside of just like just a single meal plan you know what i mean yep. it is a meal plan but we're not just looking at macros is what i'm getting at we're, we're choosing foods that fit into our macros based on our micronutrient needs we can also even look at like okay this individual trains a lot what are the most common deficiencies in athletes and people who train a lot well i can tell you magnesium zinc vitamin d is across the board not just people who train but we can go okay well let's make sure we get foods rich in the most commonly deficient vitamins and minerals and let's supplement with some of these vitamins and minerals to avoid that so the answer is yes and no. Like um, depending on how the meal plan set up, depending on the flexibility within the meal plan, depending on how you're categorizing meals and, and choosing your food selection, stuff like that, then it's going to be completely dependent on on those things. You know, so um, the question originally was what the is there any evidence of getting less nutrients when you eat the exact same foods? Yeah. So for that specific question, the answer is no, and the reason the answer is no is simply because 
if you get the right foods in, you can eat those every single day and you won't have that deficiency. But if you eat the same foods every day and within those same foods, you're missing out on specific foods that will give you the micronutrients you you need, then yes, of course, which is why in some research, flexible dieting has been showed to be better because you can switch foods more often. You're less likely to get deficient in something if every few days you're changing the type of fruits or vegetables you eat, right? Um, But there's also research to show that uh, overeating is more likely if you you repeat or change foods too often. So like repetitive, Mm. repetitiveness or repetitivity, whatever it is of meals, is actually a good thing. So if you eat some of the same meals every single day, even if that does mean you change out small ingredients, like maybe you do eggs every single day, but you change from spinach to kale to Brussels or whatever, and you rotate through vegetables in your scramble, no matter what, like eating the same things day to day, week after week, it has been shown to improve consistency, shown to improve adherence and, and hunger levels, stuff like that, because something about the repetitiveness um, in some research, I'm sure there's probably research to go back and forth on that because there's research that proves everything. Totally. So, yeah. But cool. Um, Want to last of the uh, sponsors? Yeah. So quick shout out to the sponsor, especially uh, since we are talking about micronutrients here. Firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. Uh, definitely the best multivitamin you can get. It comes in packets or a drink. Nonetheless, they have the most variety of supplements and vitamins, minerals, all kinds of stuff that you can imagine. So go to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. That is one of the sponsors of the podcast. And the second sponsor of this podcast is Giant Lifting. You get it at giantlifting.com and use the coupon code TCM10 to save 10% on your order for any fitness equipment needs that you have. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening and we will catch you next time.